We are in Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. Just doing a little short series on where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Last week we went through this, and we're going to kind of come back to this, but then also go into some of Paul's writings where he really emphasizes intercessory prayer. Glad to continue on with, with this, just a little bit of a series. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. I'm reading from the King James Version. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Titled this as Teach Us to Pray. As John also taught his disciples. So John, remember some of the disciples were following John prior to Jesus being uh, in his ministry. So John was teaching his disciples how to pray as well. And he said unto them, when you pray. We talked about this last week, that Jesus has an expectation that we pray, right? Not just hopes that we'll pray, but he didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray. Uh, that's important. And he said, say, our Father. How many have heard this prayer before? Many people have it memorized. Uh, King, I must have memorized it in something besides King James Version because it reads a little different uh, than I remember it, but I probably memorized it in NIV or something. But it says, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven. So it's a recognition. That's about our relationship. We call him Father. We talked about this last week. Which art in heaven. He's not just any father. He is the Father. He is the heavenly Father. And hallowed be his name. That is a form of worship, right? To hallow means to honor. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. We didn't talk about this last week. When we pray, we should pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done as in heaven, so on earth. Last week we didn't talk about that, but uh, that's an important part of our prayer. Not just go to God with our laundry list of what we want and what we need. There's nothing wrong with that, but First of all, we need to pray, honor the Lord, and recognize Him, and hallow His name. We need to come and worship because of who He is. But then we should pray for His will, not just ours, to be done, right? And how many knows the Bible tells us what God's will is? So we don't have to wonder what God's will is. God's will is in the Bible there. Give us day by day, our daily bread. As I was kind of rehearsing this and looking over it, it's interesting that Jesus teaches his disciples, and they are Jewish men, and they would have understood a different type of reference to daily bread. I mean, remember what the Israelites did in the wilderness. You remember that story where, you know, they uh, they complained that they didn't have anything to eat, so the Lord allowed it to rain down 
manna. They also later complained they didn't have any meat, so he allowed them to have quail and all of that. But this manna was a sweet type of bready substance. Can you imagine if that's all the bread you have, you're going to bake it, boil it, fry it, you know, you're going to do all those things with it. But what's the reference to daily bread? Only lasting one day, right? If they tried to save it, what would happen to it? Go bad, right? There was one time that, uh, of the week that they could get two days worth on the Sabbath. So here Jesus is teaching, and I wonder if his disciples don't kind of go back to the thought about, oh, our daily bread, the, the Israelites. Notice Jesus doesn't really tell us here. How many knows that daily bread is a reference to our needs? And so Jesus doesn't really tell them to pray that you have years and years worth of supply. I have no problem with people being rich, so don't, don't think that's, that I do. But specifically, when we're, we're to go to Jesus, he's teaching them to pray for their daily needs. That's important. And how many have read your Bible and it says, talks about Jesus being the bread of life? Right? You, you see that here, you could also come with the thought that, Lord, give me a daily dose of you. Right? Wasn't that, that awesome? I mean, how many knows when we get up in the morning, we need a daily dose of him, right? I think that's, you know, a good reference point for us to know because you can take this literally, but you can also take it spiritually and apply these concepts and forgive us our sins. So for those who think that Christians don't sin, why would Jesus say, forgive us of our sins? Give us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. With forgiveness, there comes a responsibility to forgive others as well, right? Sometimes we forget that. We read the parable where the master relieves the servant of his, his great debt. If you were to calculate it, uh, it'd be millions of dollars. And instead of being grateful, he goes out and finds somebody who owes him just a little bit of money. And the Bible says he strangles them and cast them into jail, right? So with forgiveness of sin, there comes a responsibility to forgive others of sin as well. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. I talked about evil this past Sunday. Because evil is a reference to not only Satan, but the evilness of this world and the system of this world. We need to pray for ourselves. That's, this is really, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray for themselves. I, I know this is a little bit of a rehearsal because I talked about this Sunday. But we need to pray for ourselves. It's important. Don't forget, you need prayer. So pray for yourself, right? Teach us to pray. 
There's different types of prayer, but prayer is always communicating with God. If Ron and I communicate, we went to dinner the other night, uh, and I didn't do all the talking, and he didn't do all the talking. We were back and forth, right, communicating with one another. That's the way prayer ought to be. We take time to listen for what the Lord might say. You know, so many times we go to God with questions and needs, but do we really listen for him to answer us? So that, that's important when we pray. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. So prayer is communication. We said last week that we have authority in prayer. Why do we have authority in prayer? Why do we have the right to go and ask God for anything? Because he told us we could, but what else? We're his children, we're sons, right? And daughters, right? So because of relationship, we have the right to go to the Father through Jesus and ask for our needs in prayer. This concept of calling God Father was radical to the Jewish men that he was teaching. And we said last week, he, they wouldn't even say the whole name Yahweh. They'd leave out some of the vows. They wouldn't say the whole thing. So it was uh, such a great honor and respect for the Lord. So I'm, I'm not going to go through all of these, but in case you weren't here last week, we said there were some prerequisites to answered prayer. In other words, some ways that we need to come before God and some things that we need to have uh, as we come to God to ask for an answered prayer. First one was faith. Remember that? For without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we're to come before God with faith. The second thing we were to have proper desires. In other words, I've never prayed to win the lottery because I don't think it's a biblical concept because somebody has to lose in order for somebody else to win. But Praying to win the lottery probably is not going to happen uh, because you might not have the right motivation. Now, if you want to pray to win the lottery and you win it big and you want to tithe, we'll start building that church tomorrow. But uh, it's not really a biblical concept. Third thing, you need to have a relationship of peace with your spouse. Otherwise, God isn't probably going to answer your prayer. Have sober mind. Be obedient to God's word. If you want God to answer your prayer, don't just read his word, but obey his word. Become a, not just a hearer, but a doer of the word, right? So this, this is just kind of going back through these. And then finally, we need to have lives of holiness. Now we describe holiness. It's not the the dress, the hair to here, the, you know, all of that. Uh, nothing wrong with modesty uh, at all, but holiness is being set apart for God's purpose and God's use. The Bible tells us 
if we want to ascend to the hill of God, that we should have clean hands and a pure heart, right? There is an expectation we are holy, not perfect, but holy, right? And striving to participate in the sanctification work of God. Does, do we know what sanctification is? When you get saved, you are sanctified, but yet you're also being sanctified. So it's a process. You're at right standing with God when you're saved, but yet he's growing you. I mean, I may have grown through your life with the Lord. Maturing you, developing you, changing you uh, to be what he would desire for you to be. So holiness is a part of that. Here Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray for their needs. So I have here, you need to pray for your own needs. Why do I say that? Because it's okay to go to somebody else and ask them to pray with you. And as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us when we pray in unity, uh, we pray together that there's power in that. It's good to have a prayer partner, but don't not pray for yourself. It's okay to share with the pastor, have him praying as well, but don't forget to pray for yourself. And this really is, uh, I think, something that we kind of don't do like we, like we ought to. So you need to pray for yourself. The Bible tells us to bless other people, so how could you bless somebody if you're not blessed? the biblical concept. It's not selfishness, but the biblical concept is Lord bless me so that I can be a blessing. And I talk about the church doing that all the time. You know, we look for ways to bless people. We look for ways as a church to bless other ministries. We look for ways to enhance the kingdom of God. So it's not just about how much we can gather money and possessions inside the church. It's about building the kingdom and other people and other ministries. And uh, I have shared with you many times about how we do that. Give us, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, us is the key word. Lead us not into temptation. They're self-oriented but not selfish. Does anybody struggle with praying for yourself? All right, hopefully not. So, Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and that you will have them. So, that text says the word you five times. pray for ourselves. All supporting the scripture, supporting praying for yourself. Maybe not the very first thing you do, but you need to pray for yourself. There's this direct relationship between Jesus and the Father, and that's what Jesus is enforcing in many of his teachings with the disciples, is that you need to have this personal relationship the disciples with Jesus uh, in order to have 
prayers answered and the relationship with God be right. All of that prayer is somewhat self-oriented. Notice I didn't say selfish. Now we're going to look at some of Paul's teaching on prayer uh, in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 verse 9 says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So here Paul is telling the Christians in Rome that he is praying for them without ceasing, mentioning them in his prayers. Intercessory prayer is when you bring somebody needs and somebody's name before God. It's not praying for self, uh, but it is praying for others, lifting up other people in prayer. Praying for self, praying for others. Intercessory prayer is praying for others. Romans 10.1 tells us, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Here Paul is saying, I'm lifting up all these names before the Lord, but he's very specific about one type of prayer that he's praying. And he's praying for the lost, right? He's praying for the sinner to be saved. Question for you. Do you have people on your prayer list that you are praying for them to be saved? If you don't, add some. How many remember, was it last year before Easter, about this time before Easter, uh, we put up a cross up here and we filled out the little cards. I love that because I really felt like God did some great uh, things in that. And we put family members and loved ones on that card and we're just remembering those in prayer and believing that, you know, throughout that year that God was going to save some people. We had 16 people last year that were saved and baptized. So, praise the Lord, right? I mean, those prayer, prayer works. Paul specifically is teaching intercessory prayer, lifting people up, but he is specifically praying that people will be saved. So, there's a difference both of them right. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray for themselves and basic daily needs. Remember, they're new. And they haven't been walking with the Lord forever. And then Paul is teaching through his example and through his writing uh, in Romans here how to pray for other people. How to lift them up. Praying for other people. You don't always know what they're going through what they're dealing with in their heart. So we need to pray in the Holy Spirit as well as in our knowledge. Right? It's important to, to do both. So Jesus came and laid the foundation with his disciples of how to pray. Paul builds upon that, teaching intercessory prayer. Acts 1.1 says, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So 
Jesus was not only teaching how to pray, but he was doing it. As a matter of fact, the main scripture that we started with, it was after Jesus had prayed and they recognized that he was praying that they said, teach us to pray. Do we pray in front of our family, in front of our children, in front of our loved ones? That, that's an important part of prayer. Because they don't want you to just lecture them on how to pray. They don't just need you to lecture them on how to pray. But they need you to show and model uh, how to pray. So it's important uh, that we do that. Inter intercessory prayer is simply a prayer for others. If you're looking for a definition. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. We've had prayer for ourselves or prayer that is kind of self-motivated. We've had intercessory prayer. But how many knows there's many other types of prayer? Right? Uh, the Bible describes them. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. Here's Paul speaking to Timothy, exhorting Timothy. Timothy is going to be leading the church there. And he says, therefore I exert first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that may, we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Do you remember to give thanks in your prayers? Right? Now, because of its connection to verse 2, I believe Paul was also saying, give thanks for the leaders that God has put over you and put in your, to help you. So we need to be praying for magistrates, governors, city council, President, senators, congressmen, right? All those people we need to be praying for. Law enforcement, we need to be praying. All those things, because those are things that God put in place called government, right? Uh, sometimes government gets a bad name, but there are good parts of government, right, that God has established. Uh, so we're to be praying for them. And a part of that is a thanksgiving for them and what they do. Aren't you glad that you have, well, you might not be glad if you speed a lot, but aren't you glad that you have police officers out there on the road protecting and helping yeah. us, right? Uh, aren't you glad that you have, there's some laws and some rules in place that protect our rights. We need to be praying, Amy's here, we need to be praying for our military folks, right? Military leaders. Uh, because they are another portion of that that helps govern our society. Without them in place, what can happen? Other countries can come in, take over, all those kinds of things. So we need to be praying for them, but also thankful 
whole Thanksgiving is really really important in the church. It really is uh, to have a, a, an attitude of gratitude uh, in your heart for all that God has done for you, but also the people that He's put in place to help you. Uh, that, that's important. He says, I exert, exhort you first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions be given with thanks. So the first of all does not mean the very first thing you do, but means that it is a primary part of your prayer. So these kinds of prayers, as we mature in our prayer life, then it's going to gain strength. How many of you pray exactly like you did when you first started praying? Have you grown in your prayer life? Has it changed something? Do you rely more now on the Holy Spirit to help you pray than maybe you did before? So we need to be growing and maturing in our prayer life and making sure that love is the driving force behind our prayers and not our own will being first. Right? So love ought to be a motivating factor in how we pray and what we pray. Not every time you pray or do you pray for others. There are times that you should pray for yourself. When you're praying, when you're running down the road and somebody pulls out in front of you, don't stop to pray for the president. What are you going to do? Sometimes you won't, you won't even have time to literally pray a long prayer, but you might just say, God help me, right? Or, oh God. I, I remember praying that prayer several times going down the road. God preserved me. So, verse 2 of that tells us Specifically, who, should, who we should pray for. Verse 3 of that tells us uh, what is good and acceptable in the sight of God. So praying for all men, all mankind, not just men, women, men, all. Including believers and unbelievers. So are you, are you praying? We talked about praying for sinners. We talked about praying for ourselves. We talked about praying, praying for all those governing forces, are you praying for your fellow Christian in your church, in the body of Christ? Maybe somebody in another church, right? Are we praying for them? We need to be. Verse 4, that same passage says, Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth? So what is God's primary desire? and knowledge of truth. Primarily salvation because when you know the truth, what does the Bible say happens? The truth will set you free, right? Uh, so it's important that we, we do them. Pray for others, pray for people to be saved and to know the truth. So I would say that your top priority to pray for sinners to become Second in priority is for those who have believed to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
pray for you to grow. I'm hoping you're praying for me to grow. And I think we're all growing together. Right? It's, it's important. Maturing in our faith and in our relationship with God comes with blessings. Have you ever planted a fruit tree? We used to have a peach tree when I lived on Hanover. Had a peach tree for two or three years. Never did produce anything. And then all of a sudden I went up there one year and I was like, this ain't got blooms on it. I think it's going to produce fruit. And I noticed that my neighbor had also bought a peach tree and set it out. And it was pollinating. They were pollinating one another. So that's the power of Praying for one another, right? Uh, but also that the only thing that produces fruit is something that is mature. If you're wondering why your Christian life doesn't seem to be producing fruit, are you growing? Or are you still in the same place that you used to be? Right? Because this is a, it's a growing relationship uh, that we're, we're supposed to be. Praying for sinners to become believers should be our top priority. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, 38, a very familiar portion of scripture. Jesus tells it to his disciples after he has met with the woman at the well. Remember the story? Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. If you underline in your Bible, there's a problem. Jesus is highlighting the problem. He's saying there's a lot of harvest out here, but not a lot of harvesters, not a lot of laborers. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray. So here's a specific thing that God wants us to pray about. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. Can you pray that? Put you on, a, on, you know, down you. I'm trying to say, do we pray that? But do we pray for it for our church? Because I want to challenge you to do that. Because back a few years ago, I always would pray for our church, and I pray God send people who need to be saved. Maybe someone that just got newly saved. We can disciple them, right? And I prayed that. And God did that. But then I realized, man, we need some help. Because there's a greater harvest than what we're experiencing. So, if you're not praying for God to send laborers into this church, then start doing it now. <laughs> Alright? God is going to send a great harvest into this church and we need laborers, right? So, pray for that. I mean, we've got honors. It tells us to do it. Right? And so, I have noticed once I started praying that, that not only was God sending people here that needed to be saved and people here that needed to be delivered and people uh, here that, you know, needed to recover from addiction and all those kinds of things, but then he started sending people 
that moved and were active in their church before, and now they came in and became a part of the church, and they're activated, and they're working for the Lord here. So, pray for laborers. So, I'm going to challenge you. The harvest is greater than we have imagined. Much greater. This church's potential hasn't even come close to what it could be as far as saving themselves. I pray weekly for God to fill up all of these pews at least two times. And if he wants to go three times, I'm here. So, how can we do that? Do you think this group's enough to help disciple all those people and pray for all those people and encourage all those people if they all come? So, ask God to send laborers into the harvest. Now, when you do, he's going to remind you that you are also a laborer, right? You can't sit on your pew and say, God sent laborers, because he's going to say, you get to work too, right? So we're all to be laborers, but I believe that God's sending specific people here that will buy into the vision of the church and become a part of what God's doing in this community so that this church can grow in a greater way. Believe that or not, I hope you buy into that. I want you to pray for harvesters, laborers, right? Do you want to see your Sunday school class full? Pray for laborers. Do you want to see a greater worship band and experience? Do you pray for your worship team? I hope so. They could use more singers and more musicians. And well, Pastor, we got a whole lot of musicians. Not as many as God wants us to have. Not near. I believe that God could send a whole orchestra full of people here. So I'm challenging you tonight. Not just a surface prayer, like we talked about last week, praying for yourself, but are you praying for God to send laborers into the harvest? And are you willing to be a part of that? So that's important. Paul gave an example in Romans 9, 1 through 3, of praying for the salvation of people. He prayed for the salvation of the Jews. And he prayed so fiery and so deeply that he said, God, I'll be willing to even miss out if you'll just save the Jews, if you know God will do that. But he said, I'm willing to put my life on the line if God can just save the Jews. So that was Paul, that was Paul's prayer. So just supporting things about praying for that was a supporting praying for sinners, praying for believers. Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 19, Paul prayed that the saints of Ephesus would know Jesus and the power of of his resurrection. So do you pray for your fellow Christian to be filled with power? We need to do that. Amen? Uh, I, I, I'm praying that we're not 
uh, just Pentecost in name, but they were Pentecost in experience, Pentecost in action, Pentecost in belief, right? Not just the name on the door, but that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Ephesians 3, 14 through 18, Paul prayed that the church at Ephesus would be strengthened in the inner man, your soul. Do you, do you pray for other people, not just their physical needs, but their spiritual needs? That's a part of prayer, right? And we can't leave out praying for people's bodies because we live in a body. Amen? Amen. We live in a body and we need those prayers answered as well. But when we pray for other people, pray for them spiritually. Just like you would uh, a son or daughter of yours. I used to just pray that my kids would just make it, that they'd get saved. But I don't pray like that anymore. I stopped that several years ago. I haven't realized everything for all my children that I've been praying, but I've been praying for God to radically save them, not just save them. Radically save them. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Make them workers for the kingdom of God, on fire for God. See, uh, when you pray for somebody, don't leave out that inner man. Pray for them. Colossians 1.3. Paul prayed for the church at Colossae to come into the depth and the riches and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Do you know the Lord in a greater way than you used to? And are you praying for others to know the Lord depth and the riches of the knowledge of Jesus. I, I never forget Brother McKinnon, some of his sayings will never leave me, okay? But he always said, there's a deeper depth and a higher height, right? And the Lord. We can always grow in those. And we can always pray for others to grow in those, right? And I pray for you. I've already been here this week, earlier this week, and I walked between the views, and I pray for people, right? And I don't, I, I, I'm praying for you to grow spiritually, become, uh, have more knowledge. Why do we need more knowledge of Jesus? Why do we need more knowledge? We don't get too much, that's right. But the more we know him, the more we'll love him, right? The more we'll love him, the more we'll serve him. Pray for other people to come to a greater depth and richness of knowing uh, the Lord. So we're all called to pray for ourselves. We're all called to pray for others. We're all called to pray for sinners to become believers. All of those things. Uh, let's go through the questions I have. Fill in the blank. Blank need to pray for blank own needs. You need to pray for your own needs. Or you could say, I need to pray for my own needs. Same thing, right? Uh, you know, you'd think that our needs would be pressing and we pray for ourselves a lot, but we really don't pray for ourselves as much as we should. Question two. How many times does Mark eleven twenty four use the word you? 
know the rule of repetition in the Bible, right? So if it says it once, it's important, obviously. If it says it twice, then it's more important. And if a word is used three, four, five times, it's very important, right? So don't buy into the devil's lie that you don't need to be praying for you. Okay? Because the word says it five times. Five times. So it's important. What type of prayer did Paul teach? Intercessory prayer. That's correct. What should be your top priority in intercessory prayer? That's according to 1 Timothy 2 3. For sinners to become believers, people to be saved, they don't know the Lord. Question five. What is the problem mentioned in Matthew 9.37 that we need to pray for? The problem is not enough laborers, right? Laborers are few. See, God wants to do such a great thing, and he knows we can't do it on our own. And he can't do it, we can't do it with you. That's why he says pray for laborers. Question six. Four types of things that Paul says should be made for all men. They're listed there. What, what, are, what are they? Intercession, supplication, prayer, and giving of thanks. I didn't do a good job on that one. So that is, uh, let me find this description. Obviously, I didn't, I didn't hit that one hard enough. That is 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be done for all men. Those are four types of prayers. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 2. Supplication is very closely related to intercession. Bringing other people, but it is petitions. So that's asking on behalf of somebody else. That's why I say it's very closely related to intercession. 